0: BOOK THREE CHAPTER SIX OF BRITISH GOBLINS WELSH FOLKLORE FAIRY MYTHOLOGY LEGENDS AND TRADITIONS THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG RECORDING BY Lynn THOMPSON BRITISH GOBLINS WELSH FOLKLORE FAIRY MYTHOLOGY LEGENDS AND TRADITIONS BY WIRT SYKES BOOK THREE CHAPTER SIX part one wales retains several ancient customs in connection with weddings which are elsewhere extinct no one who has ever paid any attention to wales and its ways can have failed to hear of that most celebrated rite the bidding which is however one of the several picturesque survivals less well known to the outer world the bidding wedding must be spoken of as an existing custom although it be confined to rural neighbourhoods in south wales and to obscure and humble folk Those who strive to prove that all such customs are obsolete everywhere a thankless and even ungraceful task It seems to me will not admit that the bidding has been known since 1870 I have evidence however that in Pembroke Cardigan and Carmarthenshires the custom did not cease on the date named and there is every probability that it prevails to-day nothing could be of smaller importance it is true than the precise date on which a given custom recently ceased since any one may revive it next year who chooses to do so the bidding is an invitation sent by a couple who are about to be married soliciting the presents and donations of the neighbors on their behalf the presents may be either sums of money or necessaries Gifts of bread butter cheese tea sugar and the like are common and sometimes articles of farming stock and household furniture All gifts of money are recognized by a sort of promissory note i.e. by setting down the name and residence of the donor with the amount given and When a like occasion arises on the part of the giver the debt is religiously paid The obligation is an absolute one and its legality has actually been recognized by the court of great sessions at cardiff the gift is even claimable under other circumstances than the donors getting married another sort of contribution is the eatables and drinkables which are set before the guests these are only repayable when required on a like occasion the method of bidding the guests was until lately through a personage called the guajoda inviter or bidder who tramped about the country some days beforehand proclaiming the particulars to everybody he met he usually recited a doggerel set of rhymes before and after the special invitation a composition of his own or understood to be such for rhyme-making was a part of the talent of a popular bidder frequently no little humour was displayed in the bidding-song but since the printing-press became the cheap and ready servant of the humblest classes the occupation of the bidder has gradually fallen to decay a printed circular serves in his place at the shop of a printer in carmarthen i procured a copy of the following bidding circular which may be a real document or a fictitious one carmarthenshire july fourth eighteen sixty two as we intend to enter the matrimonial state on wednesday the thirtieth of july instant we purpose to make a bidding on the occasion the same day at the young man's father's house called taubuki in the parish of flanfair arybring when and where the favor of your good and agreeable company is respectfully solicited and whatever donation you may please to confer on us will then be thankfully received warmly acknowledged and cheerfully repaid whenever called for on a similar occasion by your most obedient servants owen gwyn ellen morgan the young man his father and mother Llewellyn and margaret gwynne of Talbucky, his brother evan gwynne mysie Blodow, his sisters gladys and hannah and his aunt mary bowen llywiney fhedwen desire that all gifts of the above nature due to them be returned to the young man on the above day and will be thankful for all additional favours granted the young woman, her father Rhys Morgan Castelli Mock, and her brothers and sister Howell, Gruffydd, and Gwenlian Morgan, desire that all gifts of the above nature due to them be returned to the young woman on the above day and will be thankful for all additional favours conferred on her. The young man's company will meet in the morning at Sobucky and the young woman's at Panty Clackwyd near the village of Tlantzadon, the bidding is sometimes held on the day of the wedding and sometimes on the day and night before it The custom varies in different districts as all these customs do When the latter is the case the night is an occasion of great merry-making with much consumption of curudar and Dancing to the music of the harp for poor indeed would be the Welsh community that could not muster up a harper this festival is called nos Blain, or preceding night and is a further source of income to the couple for the sale of cakes and the cory Base is the slave who pays is a phrase emphatically reversed at a welsh wedding The bidding is but one form of a feature of welsh life which extensively prevails known by the term come The bidding is a priodas cum the kefaafood Kim hoff or assistance meeting is much the same thing minus the wedding feature the customs of the latter festival are however often of a sort distinctly tending toward matrimonial results as an eventuality a number of farmer girls of the humbler sort will gather at a stated time and place to give a day's work to one needing assistance and after a day spent in such toil as may be required the festival winds up with jollity in the evening the day is signalized on the part of those youths in the neighborhood who are interested in the girls by tokens of that interest in the shape of gifts the lass who receives a gift accompanied by a twig of birch is thereby assured of her lover's constancy to her whom the young man would inform of his change of heart a sprig of hazel is given an earlier feature of this ceremony was the merry andrew who presented the gifts in the name of the lover this personage was disguised fantastically and would lead the young woman he selected into another room where he would deliver the gift and whisper the giver's name the antiquity of the bidding as a local custom is undoubted the old-time grahoda was a person of much importance skilled in pedigrees and family traditions and himself of good family a chieftain would assume the character in behalf of his vassal and hostile clans respected his person as he went about from castle to castle, from hall to hall. He bore a garlanded staff as the emblem of his office, and on entering a dwelling would strike his staff upon the floor to command the attention of the group before him, and then begin his address. Part 2 The horse-wedding is of more ancient origin than the bidding, and is still a living custom in some parts of wales especially carmarthenshire and western glamorganshire it was in other days common throughout south wales and was scolded about by old malkin generally very cordial in his praise of welsh customs in these spicy terms quote, ill may it befall the traveler who has the misfortune of meeting a welsh wedding on the road he would be inclined to suppose that he had fallen in with a company of lunatics escaped from their confinement it is the custom of the whole party who are invited both men and women to ride full speed to the church porch and the person who arrives there first has some privilege or distinction at the marriage feast to this important object all inferior considerations give way whether the safety of his majesty's subjects who are not going to be married, or their own, incessantly endangered by boisterous, unskilful, and contentious jockeyship. Glamorganshire is here spoken of. The custom varies somewhat in different localities, but it preserves the main feature, to force the bride away from her friends, who then gallop after her to church, arriving toujours trop tard, of course, like the carabineers in Les Brigands, there have been cases however when the bride was caught by a member of the pursuing party and borne away an incident which occurred in the knowledge of an acquaintance who related it to me as may readily be inferred the bride in this case was not unwilling to be caught in fact she was averse to marrying the man who was taking her to church and who was her parent's choice not her own the lover who had her heart caught up with her by dint of good hard riding and whisked her on his horse within sight of the church door to the intense astonishment of the bridegroom, who gazed at them open-mouthed as they galloped away. He thought at first it was a joke, but as the lovers disappeared in the distance the truth dawned upon him. A Welsh custom had served something like its original purpose. But usually the whole performance is a vehicle for fun of the most good-natured and innocent sort. It begins by the arrival of the neighbours on horseback at the residence of the expectant bridegroom. An eyewitness to a certain wedding gathering in Glamorganshire a few years ago states that the horsemen exceeded one hundred in number. From among them a deputation was chosen to go, still on horseback, to the bride's residence to make formal demand for her. Her door was barred inside, and the demand was made in rhyme, and replied to in the same form from within it often happens that a brisk contest of wits signalizes this proceeding for if the voice of any one within is recognized by one of those outside his personal peculiarities are made the subject of satirical verses a voice being recognized as that of a man who was charged with sheep-stealing this rhyme was promptly shouted at him ah sheep-stealer art thou a guardian of the fair one if the doors were not locked thou wouldst steal the bride in broad daylight the doors are opened in the end of course and after refreshments the wedding party gallops off to church the bride is stolen away and borne off to a distance on her captor's horse but only in sport her captor brings her back to the church where she is quietly married to the proper person sometimes the precaution is taken of celebrating the marriage privately at an early hour and the racing takes place afterward obstructions are raised by the bride's friends to prevent the bridegroom's party from coming to her house and these difficulties must be overcome ere the bride can be approached sometimes a mock battle on the road is a feature of the racing to church the obstructions placed in the road in former days included the, the grintin a sort of game of skill which seems to have been used by most nations in europe called in english the quintain it was an upright post upon which a cross-piece turned freely at one end of which hung a sand-bag the other end presenting a flat side at this the rider tilted with his lance his aim being to pass without being hit in the rear by the sand-bag other obstructions in use are ropes of straw and the like there is a welsh custom called chaining which probably arose out of the horse-wedding and still prevails in the village of Sketty, Glamorganshire, in August, 1877, I saw a chaining on the occasion of a marriage between an old lady of eighty and a man of fifty. The affair had made so much talk, owing to the age of the bride, that the whole village was in the streets. While the wedding ceremony was in progress, a chain was stretched across the street, forming a barrier which the wedding party could not pass till the chainers were tipped the driver of the carriage containing the newly-wedded pair was an englishman and ignorant of the custom at which he was naturally indignant his angry efforts to drive through the barrier made great sport for the welshman the origin of the welsh horse-wedding may be traced to the romans if no further back and may thus be connected with the rape of the sabines that the romans had an exactly similar custom is attested by apulius and it is said to have been established by romulus in memory of the sabine virgins it is not improbable that the romans may have left the custom behind them when they quitted this territory in the fifth century after nearly three hundred years rule part three among the wealthier classes of wales certain joyous and genial wedding customs prevail such as are common in most parts of the british isles but which do not reappear in the new world across the atlantic a fact by which american life is a heavy loser in my opinion when the rector of mertha's daughter to use the form of speech common was married a few months since the tenants of the estate erected arches of evergreens over the roads and adorned their houses with garlands and for two or three days the estate was a scene of festivity ending with the distribution of meat to the poor of the parish such festivities and such decorations are common on the estates of the country gentry not only but in the towns as well at tenby when the high sheriff's son was married to the rector of tenby's daughter in eighteen seventy seven garlands of flowers were hung across the high street bearing pleasant mottoes white flags and banners fluttered from house tops in all directions Children strewed flowers in the bride's path as she came out of church, while the bells in the steeple chimed a merry peal, and a park of miniature artillery boomed from the pier-head. This custom of children strewing flowers in the path of the new-made bride is common, so also is that of throwing showers of rice after the wedded pair by way of expressing good wishes. A pleasanter thing to be thrown under these circumstances than the old shoes of tradition However since fashion has taken up the custom of rice throwing and shoe throwing the shoes have become satin slippers As far back as the 16th century throwing an old shoe after anyone going on an important errand was deemed lucky in Wales It is thought that in the case of a bride the custom is derived from the old Jewish law of exchange when a shoe was given in token that the parents for ever surrendered all dominion over their daughter but a precisely similar custom prevails in china where it is usual for the bride to present her husband with a pair of shoes by way of signifying that for the future she places herself under his control these are carefully preserved in the family and are never given away like other worn-out articles it being deemed that to part with them portends an early separation between husband and wife. The custom of rice throwing is also Chinese, the rice being viewed as a sign of abundance. In Sicily, as in some parts of England, wheat is thrown on the bride's head. In Russia, a handful of hops. In the north of England, a plateful of shortcake. In Yorkshire, bits of the bride cake. All these customs, while popularly done for luck, are apparently symbolical of the obedience and the fruitfulness of the newly-wedded wife and as in Scandinavia the bride tries to get her husband to pick up her handkerchief as an omen of his obeying instead of compelling obedience so in China the bride tries to sit on a part of her husband's dress the vulgar story and adage "Band box now bandbox box always expresses the superstition succinctly "'There is a saying current on the Welsh border "'that when rosemary flourishes in the garden of a married pair, "'the lady rules the roast, as the phrase is. "'Though if there is anything a woman should rule, "'one would think that the roast is that thing.' "'That be rosemary, sir,' said an old gardener in Herefordshire, "'pointing to where the plant grew. "'They say it grows but where the missus is master, "'and it do grow here like wildfire.' the idea of feminine obedience to masculine will merely because it is masculine is in itself looked upon as a superstition by all cultivated people in these days i suppose sex aside if the truth were known it would be found that the stronger is the ruler in all lands under all customs be the outward show of the ruling more or less and it is not always where the public sees it most clearly or fancies it does that the rule of the dame is sternest the strength here employed is not virile strength there is nothing necessarily masculine about it the severest mistress of her lord i ever knew was a feeble little woman with hands like a baby's and a face of wax with no more will-power apparently than a weak old kitten but whose lightest whim lay on her lord like iron and was obeyed as faithfully as if it were backed by a cat of nine tails and a six-shooter to return for a moment to our welsh wedding customs among the wealthier classes when the couple return from their bridal tour the fun often begins all over again thus at lampeter on the edge of cardiganshire last september when mr and mrs jones of glandennis roberts of the dingle williams of paldoux such cognomens take the place in wales of the distinctive names which separate englishmen one from another and from jones of nevada when Jones of Glendennis brought home his bride, the whole neighbourhood was agog to greet them. Thousands of people gathered in a field near the station and passed their time in athletic sports till the train arrived, when they woke the echoes with their cheers. The Joneses entered their carriage, the horses were unharnessed, and a long procession of tenantry, headed by a brass band, dragged the carriage all the way to Glendennis, two miles off some bearing torches by the side of the carriage arches of evergreens were everywhere and when they got to the house nothing would do but mrs jones must appear at a window and make a little speech of thanks to the crowd which she did accordingly a thing in itself shocking to superstitious ideas of chivalry but in strictest accord with the true chivalric spirit toward woman then fireworks blazed up the sky and bonfires were lighted on the tops of all the adjoining hills lampeter town was illuminated and nobody went to bed till the small hours after marriage welsh women still in some cases retain their maiden names a custom formerly universal among them the wife of john thomas though the mother of a houseful of children may be habitually known among her neighbours as betty williams in other cases, she not only assumes her husband's name, but the name of his calling as well. If he is Dickshon the tailor, she is simply Mrs. Dickshon the tailor. Part 4 A custom called the Coolstreen is now apparently obsolete, unless in occasional rural communities remote from railroads. It resembles the old custom once known in certain parts of England, called the skimmetry or skimmington in which a man whose wife had struck him was forced to ride behind a woman with his face to the horse's tail while a band of pans and cow horns made music for them the welsh custom is however more elaborate and more comical while it is less severe on the man a husband who is suspected of having a termagant wife is made the subject of espionage if it be found that he drinks his mug of ale standing, with his eye twinkling toward the door, the circumstance is considered most suspicious. Efforts are accordingly made to induce the hen-pecked man to stay and be merry, and if he can be made drunk, a great point is gained, as then a squad of volunteers take him inside his own door and critically observe his reception. A moral point involved appears to be that a hen-pecked husband is a disgrace to manhood in general and the purpose of the caulstrin is to reform it altogether however although it may be proved that a woman is in the habit of cuffing her husband the case does not come under the jurisdiction of the caulstrin court until she has drawn blood on him then the court is convened it is composed no doubt of any rake-helly youngsters married or single who are ripe for sport one of them is chosen for judge. A special point is that he must be a married man who is not afraid of his wife, and he is invested with robe and gown. That is to say, the collarbone of a horse is set on his head, around the crown of a slouch hat, and a bed-quilt is made fast to his shoulders. He marches through the streets with a youth behind him bearing his bed-quilt train, and mounts a chosen wall for a judge's bench. Officers with long white wands range themselves solemnly on either side of him. Men are chosen as advocates and a posse of rustics with pitchforks keep order. The court is opened by a crier who calls on all good men who as yet wear their own clothes to attend the court. The case is argued by the advocates. Witnesses are examined to prove first that the man is henpecked, second that his wife has struck him and drawn blood with the blow. In one case it was proved that the wife had knocked her beery lord down, and that his nose, striking a stool, had bled. The wife's advocate nearly gravelled the judge by holding that the blood drawn by a stool could not be said to have been drawn by the woman. The judge got over this by deciding that if the woman had taken the stool by one of its three legs and hit the man drawing blood, the blood would be clearly chargeable to her. And where is the difference, asked he triumphantly, between knocking the stool against him and knocking him against the stool? The woman was found guilty. For, said the prosecuting attorney indignantly, if a man shan't drink a blue of beer with a neighbour or so, to what won't it come? Her condemnation followed, to be ridden on the keffil pren. A derisive procession was formed, and two fellows were rigged up to personate the husband and wife. The male bore a broom, and the female brandished a ladle, and the two were paraded through the town. A band of musicians marched before them, beating frying-pans with marrow-bones, banging gridirons and kettles with pokers, tongs and shovels, and two playing on a fife and drum. These were followed by two standard-bearers, one bearing a petticoat on top of a pole, the other a pair of breeches in the same manner other odds and ends of rabble made up the procession which with antic and grimace marched about the village and neighbourhood the orgy ended by the planting in front of the culprit's house of the pole and petticoat and the pelting of it with addled eggs stones and mud till it fell to the ground the noble bifurcated emblem of manhood the close was then elevated proudly aloft and the woman's punishment was deemed complete this is the story of a rural village in glamorganshire the custom was known in other counties and varied in its details in breconshire the virago was punished through the kevil pren merely by the moral influence of parading it before her cottage quarrelsome wives were said to stand in great and constant dread of its possible appearance before their doors in cardiganshire on the contrary the custom termed the coulstrin is vice versa and it is only husbands who ill-use their wives who are amenable to its discipline end of book three chapter six